The Utes are Pac-12 champs once again, and they are going back to the Rose Bowl. How were they able to do it and get an incredible win against the USC Trojans? We're talking about it on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks is a gift from a heart, a gift that you will remember with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing your order will be the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com. Use promo code LOCK. That's LOCKED ON, all caps, LOCKED ON at checkout to get that extra 30% off your order at Omaha Steaks. My name is JT Wistersill. Former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. Excited to be joined for this one by the former host of this podcast, Brian Brown. And man, Brian, what a game Friday night. I mean, unbelievable, honestly. I literally, that's all I was saying to everyone next to me in the press box. I couldn't believe what was going on, what was happening from being down 17 to 3 to storming back. I believe USC had one yard of offense in the third quarter or something I just saw. I mean, just just in un, like all the moments that happened, the big plays, the craziness, the youths are packed all champs again. And I mean, we're our well past 24 hours. And I still can't believe it. It feels just like a dream. <laughs> it, it was a, a dream scenario for the university of Utah and the fans without a doubt. And, and I think you touched on a lot of things that made it such a unique game because I don't think anybody expected Utah to pull away the way that they did. I don't think anybody expected it to be such a drastic uh, difference in terms of, of, comparisons you know utah had 533 yards compared to sc's 419 if you told me that was going to be the case i would have told you that you were crazy and and in almost every single category utah was drastically better than than uh usc you know things like average yards per completion where that's a surprise that utah was better but they truly were and you mentioned the the slow start which utah fans hate but uh this football team seems to love to put them through it ended up being a non-factor at the end of the game yeah. because uh, whatever you want to say about the Caleb Williams injury, depending on what side of this matchup you stand on, Utah was putting pressure and, and putting Caleb under duress the entire game. Yep. So it's not as as though the injury was the only reason that Utah won. Yes. I think really what it contributed to was just mostly the, the margin. Any USC fan that is more focused on that, they need to go and watch the game and look at when it was 22 missed tackles. I mean, I don't even know what it ended at for the game. I mean, it was some of the worst tackling I've seen since the Florida game as a Utah fan, so it was nice to see that from the opposition. I mean, plays like Money Parks had on third and 19, that's an incredible play, but also like just tackling there. It is unbelievable that Thomas Yasmin plays like that. Like, so if the Trojans are really going, fans are going to that first, that's just, I mean, I can't say I'm surprised after the whole thing we did with the refs last time once again, but either way, just an incredible performance by this Utah team. And I know Cam Rising got the MVP. This was as much of a team win and a team performance as I feel like I've seen in a long time. I feel like it's one of those ones where everyone deserves a game ball, but there's two guys in particular I really want to talk about here. 
and it's Andy Ludwig and Morgan Scally. I thought, Brian, after Utah's first drive, I texted you that it resulted in a field goal in the end, but I just thought from the start, I just loved how creative the offense was, the combination of, of runs, the different formations we were seeing, moving guys in, moving guys out, just keeping the defense on their toes. I thought Cam did a good job distributing the ball, and I think part of that is the job that Andy Ludwig scheming things up, breaking things down, the adjustments he made to the momentum this team had going into halftime. And Morgan Scally, I mean, from the jump, you move Mickey Sugaturaga basically as a defensive tackle for a lot of that game, and I thought he did a really good job on the interior. The different fronts, the different pressures you were bringing, constantly confusing the Trojans' offensive line, different coverages. I, I thought it was an incredible game plan, and I really thought if I had to give MVPs, I would honestly give it to those two because I thought they put their players in positions to succeed. Almost unlike any game we'd seen this season, I thought they were lights out. I would agree 100% with you, and it was fun to kind of watch Coach Scally in the first quarter because he knew he had something special, and he had a little bit of a smirk on his face. The big problem were two blown coverages, in essence, yeah. that, that led to two SC touchdowns, and and one, you know, we'll say overplay uh, on a Caleb Williams scramble. Other yeah. than that, there wasn't a whole lot that that really SC had an answer for, and and uh, that's a huge credit to Coach Scally. I think it's it's how this program has been run for a long time. They save their best for the very last when they need it most. And and I said, you know, on I did a, a playback broadcast during the game where you broadcast over top of the announcers where I, I mentioned, you know, from the very get-go, Utah was offensively more dominant physically, and, and I was not as worried about those, those two touchdowns. And I do think there was one pivotal moment – in that game where Lincoln Riley chose to kick a field goal rather than going for it. And I thought that was a really questionable call on his part because it would have put SC up 21 to three against Utah. And, and that would have felt a little bit more insurmountable. Whereas I think holding the field goal, Utah had, you know, just kind of a little bit more buzz and a little bit more, um, uh, momentum that they could pull from that. Uh, I, I did not check to see if that was a hard go in terms of the the fourth down bot or or whatever it was, but it had to have been you know analytically a judgmental yeah. call. And I think to that point, USC thought that they were rolling, but they really weren't. That that's part of what Utah does is is they play the long game. I think at halftime it was sixty one to forty one in terms of play disparity. Maybe that was through the third quarter. But the bottom line was Utah played their game, and and yeah. you know Braden Fajoko, uh, Chargers defensive lineman, uh, you know, uh, made an observation that Utah does not do anything uh, that complicated in the run game. It's inside zone, it's duo, it's very basic stuff in terms of the run play. But you mentioned Andy Ludwood did a great job of disguising it. He did a great job of making it look. You know, we talk about lipstick on a pig. Yeah, <laughs> he made that pig look like a dime. So. Credit to them, credit to that coaching staff, and, and credit to the players more more than anything for, for just being there and showing up with the kind of mentality that they were going to execute and not even worry about the guys in front of them. You mentioned turning points, and uh, you talked a lot. And you, I think you mentioned the fourth down there uh, for a moment. To me, that was the biggest one. Not just kicking the field goal, but the next one. Jalen Dixon, we complete that pass. He fumbles the ball. USC gets it, and they look, they have two short runs, then they throw it on third and complete. I'm like, all right, we got no offensive momentum last right now. Utah's last two drives were three and out, and then the one that just happened, the turnover. To me, I'm like, they're going to punt this ball, pin Utah. They're going to have to march the length of the field. I thought, and look, maybe you get into the end zone, it's a touchback, and you don't pin them inside the 10, but it's still 20 yards if you don't get the fourth down when your offense wasn't having any momentum on that current drive of your USC, and Utah's had none their last two 
I was stunned that they decided to go for it on fourth down. And I felt like as soon as they didn't get it, that was the turning point in the game. Cam and this Utah team were able to then march down the field. And it just felt like it was all Utah from there, including to end the half when USC almost had one of the worst plays I've ever seen in my life. When I don't remember the guy's name pitched it back and it was almost over the return of that and he had to dive on top of the ball. Just crazy stuff. But I really felt like to me when they didn't get it on the fourth down, that was the turning point of the game. And really Utah dominated from that point on as soon as USC made that misstep, in my opinion, when they should have punted. Yeah, that that was uh, Nomura to a to a CV. Nomura tried mm-hmm. to pitch it back to Relique Brown, and and it almost ended in catastrophe. And it would have been a massive turning point had Utah recovered that or advanced the ball so in what some way, shape, or form because it would have put them ahead twenty four seventeen with the ball at halftime. I thought it was unique because Utah came out in that third quarter, didn't really drive the ball so well, mm-hmm. but it didn't end up mattering because the defense was locked in, and and I think by that point. Williams hamstring and caught up with him and 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 it was just harder and harder for him to get any kind of drive on his balls and and you know it's it was it I had I I, I tweeted this out I had a hard time getting a read for this game you and mm-hmm. I talked about it you know on yeah. Tuesday and um I, I said I, I you know my, my head's telling me no but my heart's telling me yes by by Friday morning, I'd woken up and I felt like, man, I think Utah's got something in something in the tank, something in the bag that's really gonna like make this thing uh, a, a real celebratory game. I rarely tweet out predictions like I feel like Utah's got this in the bag. Uh, I just felt so strongly at that point that there was something Utah had going for it that was gonna go over the top, and and sure enough, they did. And and those plays are the plays that have to go in your favor. I my my college coach used to say that five plays every game are going to be what determines a win or a loss. And it felt like there were five plays that every single time it needed to bounce in Utah's favor, it did. Yeah, I mean, let's try Like, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of the five in this one. I mentioned the fourth down. They didn't convert early on. I'd consider that one. Um, Thomas Yasmin's touchdown is another mm-hmm. big one that jumps off uh, right away. What other ones would you kind of throw into those? Uh, what other I, three I, ones? I think the hit on Cam Rising is a big one yeah. because I think that uh-huh. was that that was a play, you know, and there's some unique parts to it. Like the, the helmet popping off was almost incidental in a lot of respects yeah. because it, if you watch the replay, there's a, a USC defensive lineman that kind of grabs Cam's helmet and it very could have, yeah. you know, possibly taken off the chin strap. But I thought that I was thought one of those plays. Like, mm-hmm. I thought that was one of those plays. Um, you know, I'll, I'll put the uh, – uh, Money Parks, we have to uh, – Money Parks, 30 yeah. It has to be one of them too, yeah. That that was a big one, Um, and, and there's one more that I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah, This was later in the game, but the Jaquin and Jackson run where he was yeah. just straight up running over guys from FC to get into the end zone. I felt like that was just a demonstration straight up of that our willpower is better – is stronger than yours. And and so I think that, to me, really demonstrated that Utah was, was there to – handle their business and you know you mentioned the yasmin uh, td reception yeah we'll give the guy from sc some some flack for missing the tackle that's also a 6'5 250 pound tight end that runs a 4 5 40 that's yeah. a lot to tackle you know can go through or over top mm-hmm. yeah and and i think if you watch the game a little bit more closely there are probably little plays along the way too that that were critical but i think those are are five big ones that stand yeah. out to me in terms of they really push the game further in Utah's favor and and it was you know it, it was a uh it was a party in the end zone all night long for Utah and, and that's just you know I 
I texted you this. We thought it was going to be a boat race, right? Yeah. I just didn't realize that Utah was a speedboat and USC was going to be the dinghy. I know. <laughs> that is exactly how it played out. And it was, man, it was something to behold to watch. We are just getting started talking about this game. But first, I want to tell you guys about the title sponsor of this episode in Omaha Steaks. Guys, Omaha Steaks has a great holiday deal for you because, as you know, the holidays are here. Achieve gift-giving greatness when you give the gift of a perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have put together a special curated gift package to help take the guest guesswork out of gift making and make you a holiday hero. Go to omahasteaks.com and use code locked on. That's locked on, all caps, no spaces, locked on at checkout to get $30 off your order. Send mouthwatering favorites guaranteed to impress, like the legendary Butcher's Hut filled. Filet mignon, air chili, boneless chicken, ultra juicy burgers, and even easy to prepare comfort meals that are ready in a flash. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away. So get so shop early and beat the shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code locked on at checkout. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that we'll remember with every unforgettable bite. So make sure you guys head over to Omaha Steaks and cash in on that offer today. Omaha Steaks, great flavor for a great price, too. So make sure you guys go in and get in on some of that greatness from Omaha. Another thing I was going to bring up, Brian, just as we went to, before we went to the break, we were talking about those plays that could have gone the other way. How about plays like if Utah doesn't, let's uh, Jalen Dixon's touchdown before the end of the half. If Utah doesn't get in there, we're talking about Dalton Kincaid dropping a touchdown pass. Earlier in that drive, if Utah doesn't convert, we're talking about Makai Bernard dropping a ball out in the flat with no one 20 yards in front of him. And there are even other games, or there are other plays even early on in the first quarter on that drive where Utah only got a field goal in the first one where you're like, if it goes the other way, it doesn't work out for Utah. So I totally agree with you about those certain plays in those moments. And then you have to overcome when things don't go your way like that. And that was something this team just found a way to do. And it really was just so incredible to watch too. I mean, guys like what Samote Peppa have done over the course of this season, the force he's been inside. Diabate as he's been used more as a rusher late in this game. How about Gabe Reed in this game too? I mean, my gosh, it feels like Gabe Reed is a guy who's kind of been like, he's some games, in some of the big games, he's been unbelievable. And then again, some games it's like, oh, you just you kind of forget he's out there, does a couple things. And man, I was just so impressed really by this entire Utah defense. I thought all these guys stepped up, played really, really well. And to be able to hold that offense in check like that, Force those turnovers was really something incredible, Brian. And we talked about Morgan Scally too, but all the credit in the world for the players for executing too. And with one of the best defensive performances we've seen all season from this Utah team. It really was. And I, I think the score kind of doesn't really showcase how, how dominant a performance it was. And again, SC still had 420 yards of total offense, which that's still a pretty high output in terms of yards, but it was, you know, plays like R.J. Hubert making the interception, and, and you brought up the the Jalen Dixon pass, but even more so the the field goals uh, from Jaden Redding that we haven't really seen all year long. Yeah. Those were really big plays that that I you know, Redding hitting that twenty five yarder early on. I think gave Utah some some positive momentum, and and I think they felt a lot stronger because everything was clicking and everything seemed to be in their favor and. You know, this was the kind of performance that I think we expected to see Utah make more of all season long. And and yeah. we've broken down a little bit that, you know, road games and injuries and, and this, that, and the other. You know, they, they came out for the Florida game and just didn't execute. It was just sloppy. You know, another thing that I think is an interesting observation, you know, this team really performed well. And Tavion Thomas was nowhere to be found nearby. Yeah. So you have to wonder if maybe that was a little bit more of a rain cloud than than we were told or, or anything like that. Um, 
but I think the bottom line is this is just a team that they play the way that their coach lives his life. Yeah. Uh, he's always been a guy that outworks everybody, you know, always doubted in terms of talent and, and always told that he couldn't match up to, to the best and the brightest. And he's turned himself into one of the greatest coaches in this country. Uh, without a doubt, the greatest coach in, in Utah history and in, in build my the opinion. statue. I know that that's a bold com- uh, statement, and and I understand that there are Jack Curtis's and and you know uh, so many other guys in the history of this program uh, that have claimed to that. You know, Ron McBride, Urban Meyer, some really great coaches have been at that Utah program. But uh, Whittingham, back to back Pac-12 championships, four uh, four Pac-12 championship appearances out of the last five years. We don't really count COVID, so yeah, I know it is what it is. Um, it was just, you talk about teams and quarterbacks taking on the mentality of their coach and Utah did that. They really did. And you know what? Let's do this right now because you just mentioned coach Witt as well. Like just what the job he has done to be able to continue to guide this team through the ups and downs of the season. The expectations were massive. You lose the first game of the season in heartbreaking fashion, then go on the road to lose to UCLA. You lose to Oregon. It feels like your season is over, but you still I look, I know we were, they knew we were going to beat Colorado, but still to be able to get this group to come back, buy in and be able to commit and go out against a USC. There was a, I was telling a lot of people I could, I could envision a close game where of course USC or Utah wins to me, a USC blowout felt more likely than a Utah blowout just because of how the game last time played out. I felt like this Trojan team was going to come out really hungry and ready to go that's just what i thought totally proved me wrong and i couldn't be more happy to be wrong about that and i think it's just a credit to coach Witt having these guys prepared ready to go um i think coach Witt remembers games like the oregon championship game where that one hurt so bad and you just talk about too just like all he's done like guiding this team from the mountain west now over to the pac-12 to the top of the conference back-to-back champions it's incredibly hard and it's the reason i say things like build the statue and totally agree with what you're talking about guys like that just don't exist you don't stay in one place for that long he mentions how incredibly lucky he is to be here utah fans are incredibly lucky to have him and the program he has built because it's unbelievable fortunate is kind of the word that i think comes to mind that these two Kyle mentioned it in the post game presser, right? That the the school stuck by him through two losing seasons, and yep. uh, you know some some harder times as they transition in the Pac twelve. And without a doubt, there were times throughout the course of his career. You know, you talk about uh, the, the the debacle that Utah had at offensive coordinator for so long, mm-hmm. um, and, and just constantly churning through guys. And and there's a lot of those kinds of moments throughout the course of his career. And I think. It was right place, right time, right guy, and and right mentality. And you know he has really improved as a coach throughout the course of his uh, eighteen year tenure as the head coach. I think even before that, um, he was you know made drastic steps. And it, it's fun you can go back and watch his introductory inter, introductory interview on the Ron McBride Coaches Show on YouTube, and uh, it's just it basically it, it's like a time warp. Same Whittingham, but. 40 years younger and one heck of a mustache, you know, we'll give him credit for uh, transitioning from the mustache to the long hair. And, you know, thank goodness that he finally broke that curse. Cause yeah. uh, that silver Fox looks good with those long locks. And uh, you know, I think the biggest thing is that coach uh, Mrs. Winningham is a fan. So um, all that aside, this is a team and a program that has really grown and flourished under his leadership beyond what it should be. 
and and it, overachieving has become a habit at the University of Utah. It's become an expectation. And so I think this year at times maybe felt like they had fallen short. Um, I still think this is a playoff team. And I know that sounds yeah. crazy to say that, but they are two passes away um, from that being the case. And, and it, it, it's, it's wild to think that that could be uh, the, um, what am I, what am, what am I thinking? That, that, that could be the outcome, not, not necessarily the bar, but that could be where Utah ended up this year yeah. because every, every data point that we have, everything that we look at tells us that, that there's no reason that they should be a playoff team and, and even, even more so a competitive playoff team. And like, and let's flip it. For example, there's no doubt in my mind, if that game Utah versus Florida is played at Utah, that Utah wins. So that's just the bad luck of the draw for Utah that this year, that when they made that agreement, that they said they'll go out to Florida and even going out there, they should have won that game. Everyone knows Utah was the better team overall in the season. That's clearly evident just that day. They just made the mistakes and were the better team in a lot of ways on the field that day. Just couldn't make those plays. And then you look at Oregon as well. I mean, they were the much better team in the second half. It was just, you know, Cam coming up short in a couple of key areas. And that's one of the things that's so impressive too about this game is just how good Cam looked, how decisive he was, how good he was at distributing the ball out there, getting it to Money Parks, Jalen Dixon, Dalton, Yasmin. I mean, Yasmin, everyone ate pretty much for this Utah team. And it is a credit to just the consistency this team has because of Coach Whittingham, but also this offensive performance and the guys really coming together throughout the season. And I totally agree with you. It does feel like this team is a playoff team and it's another year. It's the second year in a row where it feels like I playoff because things could be a little different. And and they would be. Utah would be a three seed. They'd be sitting on a bye going into the playoff. They would be in great position to make a run and more than that, I think really what has happened in the last uh, two weeks has been, you know, the stroke of destiny in, in favor of Utah. Finally, when it seemed like there were so many that were going up against it for a while there, I think more than anything, this rescued the future of this program uh, because they have a lot of momentum to take into the recruiting season now. And with, yes. with NIL and, and all the changes in the world, and everything that has started to kind of take place, I'm not saying that Utah was on the way out, but it, there were concerns. And and how does Utah survive in this scape? And and what what do things look like for them going forward? And we have our answer now. <laughs> like, sun is shining. You know, the weather is is sweet. Yes, much sweeter than it was on the with the ice and everything for everyone who's trying to travel down the game the day of the game. I know that could have been a little difficult, but um, you're absolutely right, Brian. It just changes everything for this Utah football team, and it's so exciting. Um, there was surprisingly a lot of news since this game dropped. Uh, Deion Sanders, Michael Penix coming back. Uh, we and some even some obviously all the Caleb Williams stuff. We still got a few more things to talk about on Locked On Utes. But first, I want to step away for a second and talk to you guys about our friends at Built Bar. Can we pause the pod for a second? Okay. Okay, we're paused. Great, because you got to try this. I bar new reimagined flavors, cookie dough, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper with chocolate peppermint granola. It's built take on take on the granola bar. It's more filling and still insanely tasty and candy cane brownie puff built puffs are like biting into the universe's most delicious cloud. First off, for anyone who hasn't tried built bars before, they're literally the best tasting pro protein bars ever. They're revolutionary, nutritious as we know with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, shockingly low sugar and calories. It's 130 calories, that's it. So make sure you guys go sink your teeth into this magical 
Built Bar. There's collections all over the place. You guys can cash in on Built Bars today. Built, you got to try this. Get 15% off your order right now by using code Locked On 15 That's one word, all caps, Locked On 15 at Built.com. So go over and get your Built Bar today. Also, I want to tell you guys about the sponsor of this episode, UCCU. Guys, UCCU is offering a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. Plus, you can jump up to an even higher rate of return anytime during the life of your certificate. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but as you guys know, those interest rates are on the rise. Well, here's the advantage. UCCU is here to help. For a limited time, that 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00% is here for you guys. UCCU has lots of different terms and options to help you guys fit your specific film needs. So make sure you guys go visit a UCCU branch today or visit uccu.com to learn more. This is an incredible opportunity for people who want to build up their savings. You just make one deposit, then let your money grow and grow and grow with a fixed rate of return that's much higher than a standard savings account. So once again, uccu.com to learn more and get that savings certificate today. UCCU, love where you bank. One thing Utah fans absolutely loved, Brian, was dragging Caleb Williams after the game on Twitter. And look, whenever you paint what he painted on his nails, that's going to be earned. Whenever you say explicitive about a school, you're going to deserve that in a lot of ways. But I do want to say this really quickly, and I think a lot of Utah fans aren't going to like this. That was one of the most gutsy performances I've seen from a quarterback. He was hobbling around out there. So much. I couldn't believe he was in the game. And I know Lincoln Riley said that post game too. And I'm sure a lot of people rolled their eyes. How bad could it be really be? It was really bad. And he was still out there making plays for his team going up and down. I know everyone just wants to hate on the guy right now, but that only cemented why he is the Heisman Trophy winner to me. He is an incredible player and an incredible talent. You can think what you want about his choices he made slight Utah, but I just got to give him credit for going out there, continuing to try to fight and make plays. He was really hurting. And I honestly, a lot of players who would have stayed in that game in that position, but he went out there, toughed it out, still hung tough, made throws. Every time he got hit, I didn't know how he was getting back up. He was basically skipping each play to try to get back to the huddle or to the line of scrimmage because he could not put the press that much pressure on it and get there. So I really think it was an unbelievable performance by Caleb and I under everyone's dragging him, but all I could think about while I was watching the game is, man, this guy is a warrior. Yeah, and that's why you're the play-by-play guy because you do the the, the hyperbole and the explanation and, and the scene setting so well. Um, <coughs> it was tough to watch at times. You know, you're watching a guy slide in the pocket um, like he's, you know, trying to do the electric slide or, or you know, stuck, stuck with a nail uh, in his foot or something like that. But that's part of what makes Caleb Williams so great. Not just that he has the athletic ability to where he can hang in there and play through a game with with that kind of an injury, and you know the interesting part about it was it it didn't seem to really limit him in in going you know north to south as much as it was yeah putting pressure on it and and certain angles and things like that. So it, I think there's there's part of that that explains why he was able to to stay with it. Clearly not the same player. You could see it on that ball that RJ Hubert stepped in front of. Just not the kind of same velocity or accuracy that he had. The other thing, too, is he was under duress all night long, regardless of the injury. And, and that is part of what made it look so heroic. Yeah. Um, I think the, the nail painting thing is fascinating to me because he's been doing that since he was at Oklahoma. Yeah. So it's not like this is some breaking news. Thing. Very it's true. Just, Suddenly this week, everybody decided to showcase it because somebody caught a picture of it against UCLA. And it is what it is. Uh, you're trying to tell me that you don't want your competitors to have a mindset of just F that guy across from me. Good point. Really? Yeah. Really? 
Because that's how I approach every single, you know, competitive environment is, is I may love you, JT, but if we're one-on-one on the basketball court, I am putting you into the wall every chance I get as I do drop step and try and bank one in down low. I have no other part of my game, but I'm going to use that to the best of my ability. And, and, and that's how you have to approach being a competitor. The, the interesting part about it, I think he, he wears his emotions on his sleeve and it, that's going to be the part that he has to learn to not necessarily manage, but fight through. You can't be the guy who hangs your head on the sideline, puts a towel over the top because you lost. Yep. Especially not when you're the dude who got paid massive amounts of money to go to USC and and play play a game, you know, just because you had a good season at Oklahoma. Now, does the talent meet with you know the the work ethic and the competitiveness? Absolutely. That's part of the reason why he's likely to win the Heisman. And he should still win the Heisman. And I felt like his performance on Friday night solidified why he is a Heisman candidate, because as much as we want to talk about Caleb Williams, who else stepped up for USC on Friday night? No, that's what I mean. I mean, Jordan Addison made a couple plays, but even he was kind of felt like he was in and out at point about him all game long. He just did, did a couple things. I don't even know how many yards he ended up with. It just felt like he made a couple catches. So I'm with you. And obviously defensively, we've been talking about all day. How many missed tackles the Trojans had. So it feels like the same way we talked about the last game. Yeah, that's the part that, that, that I'm really frustrated about if I'm a USC fan. Where was uh, Tui Pelotu? Where was Figueroa, right? Where are all these guys? You know, Sarah Wright never hardly did anything all game except for give up you know, plays. You know, uh, Williams had a pretty good game, but he should not be making as many plays as he is from that position. You know, led the team in total tackles with 12 as a defensive back. That's a problem. You know, Eric Gentry made one good play, broke the U and we never heard from him for the rest of the day. He got ran (laughs) over, you know, and, and we're not even to mention number seven (coughs) Bullock and how many times he ended up, you know, getting a face full of Utah. um, And as he was getting trucked into the end zone. So that's the part, if I'm a USC fan, if I'm part of this Trojan football team, that's the part where I'm starting to raise my hand and be like, and, and look, Utah fans, you get 24 hours to do whatever you want. Talk trash, you know, hate on the guy. I don't care. You know, yeah. and, and I don't, I'm like, I'm not going to call anybody out for that stuff, too. It's a respectable effort. He did a good job. Utah steamrolled them. Utah won convincingly. They now have beaten USC twice when all week long, everybody said it's so hard to beat a team twice. So I have zero empathy. I guess yeah. for, for, you know, any kind of uh, SC fan complaining or anything like that, yeah. y'all run in your mouth. You got steamrolled Utah one, be gracious, congratulate it. And let's see what happens next year, because I think this is going to be a pivotal moment for that program in terms of who are we really, are we just Caleb Williams side pieces? Are we just Caleb Williams entourage? Or is this a football team and a football program that wants to go out and dominate? Because really the only time you the only time you went up against any kind of adversity in terms of the teams that you're facing, it was Utah beating you and UCLA losing by three points. Yeah. And, I, and they, they didn't Notre look great at Oregon state, but, you know, and, no, and yeah, I mean, Notre Dame's one thing, right? Like I, I think they look at it and Notre Dame's a better football team now than they were previously, but Marshall, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a non-conference game and, mm-hmm. and didn't really have a ton to do with for either team other than USC had a potential playoff berth ahead of them but anytime you got faced with some real challenge and real adversity we didn't see usc play uh, washington we didn't see usc play oregon if, if i'm not mistaken correct no that's 100 correct we did not see that yeah and they were close games against uh uh oregon state the, the one against yep. cal was kind of a risky affair and that was a washington home game state too. for a while was close 
Yep. So, I mean, as great as Caleb Williams has been, this has not been a great USC team. And, and for all the no. talent and, and portal work that they did, they've got a big task ahead of them in, in figuring out who they are, getting their culture established, and being something more than just, you know, the, the, and the, you know, Caleb Williams and the Trojans in terms of their boy band. Yeah, Kyle Whittingham, when I asked him last week about just how hard is it to switch the culture around in the first couple of years, he said it's easier because of the transfer portal. At the end of the day, it's still difficult to do. We see in these big-time matchups what happened with USC. Um, TCU, I feel like, dealt with some of that, too, against Kansas State, you saw, where they weren't able to get it done either in the end. And obviously, they still had great seasons. Both those teams did, but still fell short of your goals. And either way, like we said, Brian, it's a great day to be a U. It's an unbelievable performance. And I know I, for one, cannot wait for the Rose Bowl. I think this is an awesome matchup with Penn State. It's going to be so much fun bringing it down over the next few weeks. And it's just incredible to be in this position. I literally, like I said, I just could not say Stop saying this is unbelievable because of all the moments that were happening. Utah wasn't supposed to be here. Oregon versus Oregon State. It's 31 to 10 at one in the third quarter with like six minutes to go or whatever it is. Like this was not supposed to happen. You're down 17 to three, not supposed to happen. And then boom, boom, boom. What just happened? Pac-12 champs again. <laughs> Four years ago, Utah fans were just happy to be in the Pac-12 championship game. Now you've staked your claim as one of the premier and I, I started calling it a new blood program in, in the future of college football. And with the expansion of the playoff, what I think is going to be a, a big TV deal, because apparently Colorado doesn't have money to pay Dion, but they know it's coming. And, uh, you know, whether it's I don't think it's going to be lemonade stands. So yeah. there's a lot of things that are starting to play in, in favor of Utah. And, and this is a conference that's on the rise. You know, you saw the national narrative after the game being so positive. And so in favor of Utah that this program, it, it, it's hard to hard to hard to imagine that where Utah was two weeks ago, mm-hmm. it, it, needing so much to go in their favor to end up in the Alamo Bowl, and now they're back, yeah, smelling roses in the flower game. To quote uh, Sammy Mora's younger mm-hmm. brother Jordan, and uh, I could not be more excited to uh, have the opportunity to go back to a flower game. It's it's. The first one I ever went to was last year. Um, it was an incredible experience. I call it my Mecca. You know, I'm a college football fanatic, and I don't think there's a better bowl game in the country uh, than the Rose Bowl. And, uh, you know, to have the opportunity to go back is just – it's an incredibly fortunate situation, and, and I hope the Utah fans enjoy every moment of it. And more than anything, I hope Utah walks out of there with a win. It is special. It's yeah, it's such a great thing. And it's going to be so much fun talking about and breaking down this game, just like it's been talking about and breaking this one down with you, Brian. Always appreciate you coming on, my friend. Make sure you guys give Brian a follow on Twitter at Brown Bear SLC. Also, if you're in the market for a second listen every day, make sure you guys check out Locked On Sports today for the take of the day, the biggest game recaps, the biggest stories in sports. It's all available for you on YouTube, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you guys go check out Locked On Sports today. But Brian, the Utes are Pac-12 champs again and Man, it feels good. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster, JT. And uh, Utah's pretty gangster right now in this conference, but a lot of good things still ahead. It's We've got game prep. Portal season starts tomorrow, Portal. or I guess technically today. Recruiting coming up. It's going to be a an incredible stretch up until the bowl game and even afterwards. So, uh, as always, folks, stay tuned to Locked on Utes, and uh, you'll know. It's going to be a lot of fun. Appreciate Brian for joining us and for all of you for listening to our show. We'll be back tomorrow, but that's going to do it for today's Locked On Utes.